This is the Bakery and Snack Chat podcast, and I'm Jill Hislop, editor of Bakery and Snacks. Bakery and Snacks has elicited Chris Hook, business director of Warburton's Gluten Free, on its editorial advisory board, which will enable the site to maintain its position at the core face of news, regulations, new product development, and technological development in gluten free. We chat to Chris to find out more about the sector and also about the man. Welcome, Chris, and thank you very much indeed for joining our editorial advisory board. Please tell us more about yourself. Why the gluten-free industry? Uh, well, firstly, Jill, I'm uh, obviously delighted to uh, to be involved and uh, invited to uh, to join the editorial advisory board at Bakery and Snacks. Um, that's a real privilege, and thank you very much for that. Right. Um, in terms of myself and, and the gluten-free industry, um, with out sounding like a really old fossil, I've actually been involved with gluten-free since 1986, mm-hmm. um, which is obviously the best part of 34 years now. And uh, I was a sales and marketing manager for um, a young company, uh, and this is obviously when gluten-free wasn't very prevalent. Um, in uh, Stockport in Cheshire in the UK and uh, we were producing gluten-free bread that actually came in a tin in a can Um, and that was the only way you could get gluten-free bread uh, and only on prescription there was nothing in retail at all and there was no such thing as free from Um, so came from very humble beginnings in terms of um, the gluten-free industry and that's been the common thread through my working career ever since 1986 and I've had various roles um, particularly in um, the creative and advertising marketing industry um, working on various nutritional accounts and actually running my own marketing and advertising agency and then finally in 1998 um, or 97 actually saw an opportunity to um, import some gluten-free mixes um, into the UK from America um, and at the same time I also set up my own gluten-free business call at the time called Nutrition Point um, and we launched a range of baking mixes into the UK um, under the name of Dietary Specials and uh, that was the um, the beginning of if you like my sort of wholly immersed uh, focus um, and time on, on gluten-free and it's been that way ever since um, and it's you know it's good I'm, I'm really proud and uh, delighted to see how uh, a small niche business um, or category has developed over the last you know 30 odd years it's, it's amazing all right and what was your route to Warburton's gluten-free um, well that was, that was quite interesting I, I um, built up my business at Nutrition Point um, and became involved with um, the Italian company, uh, Dr. Shah, who obviously have uh, a very strong uh, presence in gluten-free throughout Europe and internationally. And um, Dr. Shah were involved with Nutrition Point, and they took a stake in the business. Um, and eventually I sold out to them in 2010 and um, left uh, the business completely and was actually um, running a small consultancy and also involved as a non-exec with a number of smaller um, food and beverage businesses 
um, and advising young startups. And then I um, got an introduction to Warburton's, who ventured into gluten-free um, during 2011. And um, I was invited to, uh, to get involved with them because they were actually struggling, um, as it turned out, to produce gluten-free products. Um, they were clearly, and they are clearly, um, really good um, and making good quality um, core bread products, bakery products but they were really struggling with gluten-free, didn't really understand it, and asked me to have a look at um, the products and, and how they were being marketed. So that was my initial um, start point, and that was back in um, the beginning of uh, 2012, and uh, I've, I've, I've been there ever since, so to speak. And uh, it's been a really, really enjoyable journey, trying to uh, weave our way through um, the... Um, the trials and tribulations of uh, of gluten-free baking. Um, Warburton's had invested in a uh, a gluten-free bakery up in the northeast in Newcastle and Newburn, um, so that was a dedicated bakery. But um, apart from the dedicated bakery, there was no expertise at all within the business um, relating to gluten-free. Bags of baking experience, mm -hmm. traditional baking experience, but no uh, no gluten-free experience. So. I built up a team of people um, to sort of focus on the quality of the products um, and also the range of products that we were introducing and uh, supplying into the market. So it's been, you know, it has, as I say, been a really uh, enjoyable uh, but, but challenging, challenging journey today. Nice. Yeah, it's good. And what is it about the gluten-free space that you are particularly passionate about? Um, I can't actually mean by space, isn't it really? I, I think... A lot of it is around providing really good quality products and baked products because I think, you know, if you consider that journey I've been on the last 30 odd years um, and I look back to what was available um, and in some respects what is still available, there's some really poor quality products um, that are conveniently labeled gluten-free oh. that really just don't deliver um, from an eating uh, and enjoyment um, proposition. For, for consumers, and I think it's really important that um, you know we, we focus on delivering the best quality products, no matter what they are. Um, so that that I mean, and I guess baking is one of the because it is, and it seems to be, baking really good bread is one of the perennial challenges. I mean, it has been a massive challenge trying to produce bread that tastes as good as um, conventional core bakery bread. Um, and I think that's that's an ongoing challenge. Um, so that, in terms of where I'm focused and what I'm passionate about, is making sure that we we do do that. Please, could you describe your um, leadership style as business director? Does your role give you the opportunity to get hands-on experience? Um, yeah, no, very much hands-on. Um, I still get very involved in uh, in events and things like that. So, for example. Um, the other week, I was at a Celiac UK event in Wirral. Um, very, you know, 500 people there. So, you know, I do, I do enjoy meeting um, the end users of our products. And yeah, I like to stay in front of the consumer. I think that's really, really important. Just understand what they're looking for, um, and also in front of the customer. Um, you know, the retail customers uh, are paramount to us getting our product um, out there and available for our consumers. And in terms of my 
style, my leadership style, it's all been about um, empowering the people around you. Um, I guess I'm a consultative, um, supportive type of um, leader. Uh, I really believe in coaching people and getting the best out of people and inspiring them to deliver um, what you know what we're looking for as a business and what we're looking for as a product range and how we market it. Um, so you know I tend to be um, very very supportive of people, um, but also at the same time, um, to a certain extent demanding that that you know we do um, maintain our standards and right. that individuals do maintain their standards. Um, you know, so it's, it's an area. I think you've, you've got to lead by example, haven't you? And that's mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer of, you know, um, lots of sports analogies. But you know, if you look at the All Blacks or you know high performing teams, I think it's really important that there's nobody bigger than the team, and that you know you have to be seen to be setting the tone and the direction. If I had to ask you the question, uh, please finish the sentence. Teamwork is important <laughs> because. Um, I guess it's important because you, you can't do it all yourself. Uh, and the power of a well-formed team is, is immense. Um, and th that's why I believe teamwork is important because, you know, having set up several businesses on my own in the past and then built them up, um, you know, I do realize and I do appreciate um, the value of a, of a high-performing team. And, yeah, it doesn't come without its um, highs and lows. But I think once you get a cohesive team, um, you can you can really um, smash through any um, any obstacles. Um, I think it's you just can't do that yourself. Um, you can set the vision and the scope, but you need people around you to who are perhaps better at certain areas um, to deliver um, for you as well. So I think it's having uh, having a, a well-functioning team is um, is critical. I'm sure your experience in the sector is filled with highlights, but is there one that springs to mind? Uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. I guess there's, there's quite a few, really. I, I guess um, I'm immensely proud of what I did with my own business, you know, starting off on my own with Nutrition Point right. um, and, you know, selling that in 2010 when I first started. It was literally me working from my daughter's bedroom at home. Um, and by the time I left, you know, there was a there was a business of over 40 people um, and a turnover, best part of 27 million. Um, so growing the business to that sort of level, I'm immensely um, proud of what we achieved at the business and, um, and how that developed. And, and I'm pleased to say that a lot of people involved in that business are still, are still there, albeit you know, now called Dr. Shah UK. Um, and, and recently I was invited to um, do a video message for um, the finance manager who recently retired, um, and I think yeah, that's, that's that's you know really touching for me as much as it is for yes. for them. Um, so it's, it's nice to have that sort of legacy, if you like. Uh, so I'm proud of that. And then in terms of other highlights, it's it's what we've achieved um, or with the businesses that I've been involved with. I mean, you know, with Warburton's Gluten Free to be the first to market with um, gluten free wraps. Um, was an incredible achievement. I never thought I'd see the day when we could produce a product that you can roll and bend and mm -hmm. fold without breaking. Um, you know, it's just something unheard of in gluten-free. But but we did, um, and I thought that was really good. Um, 
you know, and I'm, I'm, I, I think there are, there are highlights like that. And then also just talking um, and presenting to celiac groups and the response that you get from individuals um, is really quite touching because you know you are actually helping their lives um, as well without, you know, sounding too um, um, too weak. You know, it, it, I think it, it's really meaningful. I think it's very motivating. From your perspective as the business head of a leading bakery manufacturer's gluten-free division, what are today's biggest trends in gluten-free? I think that gluten-free is not dissimilar to any other core sort of you know, mainstream um, area. And so what we're seeing, and I'm sure other manufacturers are seeing it, is, is a, a demand and a, and a requirement for um, food to go. Um, and um, you know, as, as a main business, we've seen a considerable growth in what we call sandwich alternatives, but basically, you know, bagels, mm-hmm. wraps, um, sandwich thins, those sorts of things. You know, today's consumer is not necessarily wedded purely to um, a white loaf, and they're looking for lots of um, different carriers for their sandwiches or um, equivalent, and that's where um, I see the trend coming through. And then attached to that, particularly in the free-from space, um, is the is the health um, right. factor and really what added health benefits um, are there or can there be following a free-from diet? Um, I think this, this people are looking more and more at the free-from fixture and saying, well, okay, yeah, it's gluten-free, wheat-free, dairy-free, but I expect it to deliver more than just that. And that is, is you know, a real challenge in some respects for any manufacturer operating in this space. Do you believe the industry is proactive in answering consumer needs? Yeah, yes, I think we are. There's a, um, as, a, as an industry, I think what helps is there's a number of bigger organizations like Warburton's, like Dr. Shah, um, and, and, you know, Genius and what have you. But the, the, the great thing is there's also a proliferation of younger startup brands, which um, are very innovative as well. And I think that, that keeps everybody um, fresh and, and, and alert to, to what's achievable. And it does, um, it does answer a lot of the consumer's needs um, because, you know, it's, it's a broad... It's a broad um, area to operate in, um, and you either specialise in one particular area, but in you know a niche within a niche. Um, but in that respect, I think there's, we're all responsible, and I think we are all answering consumer needs um, to some extent or other. And uh, we know, I, I think you, you cannot, and it applies to any food business. You cannot stand still. You've got to continually innovate. What are some of the biggest innovations that you are seeing coming out? Um, well, I think I go back to what I was just saying earlier. The you know this food on the go piece and this this link to really heavily, and I don't, I don't uh, underplay it quality because I think there's nothing worse, and you see this time and time again, not just in the free form fixture but other fixtures of poor quality food products um, that just don't deliver, and I think there's the expectation of consumers and also our retail customers is that you know you should be delivering a quality product uh, consistently, and that's that's really difficult with gluten-free. Um, 
But if somebody's paying, and there tends to be a premium price for gluten-free products, you know, they should expect to have something that's really good quality. And I think there's too many um, products out there that don't, and food on the go is an area that, that struggles with that to a certain extent. Um, but then linked to that is this health message. Um, I do believe that you know you can just see the, the rise in the demand, rightly or wrongly, for vegan options, and vegans being heavily linked to free from. Um, so I think there's a whole area around plant-based um, diets, etc., um, where the free from category has to step up a bit more, and us as manufacturers have to look at ourselves and say, well, you know, what more can we be doing? Um, you know, you look at the sort of I mean, glib, the, the the state of the nation, the the rise in obesity, etc. Um, you know, it's very easy to produce a gluten-free baked product um, that tastes okay because it's, you know, got chocolate in it, and it's got a lot of sugar in, etc. And that can disguise any failing of the product quality um, in terms of taste. But, hey, you know, it's loaded with calories. So is it actually going to be any good for anybody in the long term? Probably not. So I think, you know, there's more that we can do there. And I think it's just trying to find out how that works without again, falling into the trap of trying to be all things to all people because then, you know, you, you, you go down a, a blind alley. It's really difficult um, to work with less and less ingredients, obviously. So you've obviously then um, answered this question, but do you see any glaring white spaces? I think it's just around the, the health piece, the, 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 the added health um, linked to the quality of, of products today, um, uh, you know, I wouldn't say there's specifically products. I think you know, there's some areas that we could do better, or not just we. I mean, that's, I'm talking as a as a business, as a total business now, not just as Warburton's Gloom Free. Um, and I think you know, breakfast, for example, I think we could be looking at breakfast more um, critically as to how we deliver products there, um, and also just you know, the, the sort of fiber, con the fiber content, the, the, that sort of end of um, the sort of spectrum where we need to be um, just tuned in, just tuned into what's what's happening, but also not just what's happening now, but looking ahead and saying, okay, right, well, in five years' time, where where will the free from fixture, where will free from be in total? Um, you know, you can start to see it's starting to slow down in terms of growth. I mean, right. the growth is still there, but it's not double-digit growth anymore. It's you know now sort of single figures year on year. Where do you see the market in five years from now? Especially the gluten-free space is primarily driven by lifestylers, those consumers who have not been diagnosed with celiac disease or gluten sensitivity, um, but believe it to be a healthier lifestyle. But there is mounting evidence, um, medical evidence, that uh, discredits this perception. Do you see this affecting the gluten-free market? Yeah, I, I, I do. I do. And I think it links back to what I was saying earlier about, you know, as you develop gluten-free products, they have to have more than just, or offer more than just being gluten-free. There's got to be a rationale. And that's going to maintain the growth because lifestylers or people who are adopting, for all the right reasons, a healthier lifestyle are actually more discriminating in terms of um, what they're expecting from a product. So I think it's, you know, it's gluten-free plus that we're looking for. 
you know, what can we do to make gluten-free products um, healthier and, and offer, you know, added health? Um, because, you know, the, the market is now maturing. You would expect that. It's been on double-digit growth for the last 10 years. Um, I think the other shift I would expect to see in five years is more gluten-free options um, appearing in mainstream. Um, as the quality improves, then they can hold their own. So why wouldn't you be able to buy a gluten-free loaf, for example, in the fresh bakery um, fixture of a supermarket uh, alongside conventional bread? Um, and I think the other thing just to bear in mind is obviously the diagnosis and the recognition of celiac condition is probably still um, slightly under underdeveloped and, you know, right. there's more and more clinicians diagnosing um, celiacs earlier than they used to, um, which you know, is obviously better for the individual, but it does, you know, maintain the growth from a, a celiac diagnosis perspective. I mean, you talk to Celiac UK and they still firmly believe, and rightly so, that there's a lot of undiagnosed people out there. Um, and then there is this other category, um, the gluten-sensitive, um, that do need a gluten-free diet. They're not necessarily diagnosed as celiacs, but they have, um, you know, a sensitivity to gluten. Um, so those two categories will, will still continue to grow. I mean, the lifestyler, by their very nature, can dip in and dip out. And, um, you know, you're right. They, they will um, and they have driven the growth. Uh, and that's why retailers have, have devoted so much space um, you know, in the fixture to to give a range of products, but at the same time, the core consumer um, still has no alternative. Um, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. You know, they have no alternative. They have to follow a gluten-free diet. A lifestyler, you know, can opt out at any time. Do you see a lot of startups uh, popping up in the gluten-free space? Do I see a lot? Yeah, I do. I do. I do. Um, you know, inevitably, I mean, if I take, for example, the, the event I went to in the world not so long ago. Um, we were the only main brand there. Um, the, you know, the other brands were very much the, what the Americans call the mom and pop type. Um, but, you know, there's nothing wrong with that because they, as I said earlier, they um, can sometimes focus on a really small area or they can bring something to market that you think, oh, my God, I never thought of that. Mm -hmm. um, so... I think it's important that, that they're given a platform. It's just difficult in terms of scale and in terms of commercial viability um, for them to perhaps grow um, and get the breadth of coverage that they'd like. But you, know, you could argue that's where online um, and you know online shopping and home delivery can um, can really benefit you know businesses like that. What is the most difficult part of retailing your product? Um, I think the most difficult part for for us is um, availability on the shelf and working with. I would say this is difficult because we, we work very well with retailers. Um, it's actually um, just making the the freeform fixture more attractive. I do I do find the way, and I do a lot of store visits. Um, either on my own or with the retail development team that we have in Warburton's. And there are some stores, there are some uh, retailers where you walk in and you just think, oh, God, the freeform fixture is so unloved. Um, mm -hmm. 
because it you know because it does have to cover such a broad range of categories so you've got canned goods in there you may well have long shelf life biscuits etc um so you have sweet and savory and then you have fresh bread um and you, know, you can walk into some and it just looks um like a, a bombsite i mean there's big gaps on the shelf and so i guess i guess the most difficult part is is availability is making sure um and sort of encouraging and working with retailers to make sure there's a there's a good consistent um level of availability for consumers um because again just talking to consumers you do find that they'll go in and if they see the product there they'll they won't just buy one of them they'll buy the the whole they'll clear the whole shelf and it, and uh, you know i do have um you know feel for retailers it's very difficult to manage that sort of, and, and have that sort of stock control because um, it's quite wild but I think that that is the most difficult part um, of the retelling picture, from my perspective, anyway. Right. And do you see um, uh, Brexit having a big impact on the industry in general? Um, I, at the moment, no. I, I think it's perhaps too early to say. I mean, the um, cost of ingredients might fluctuate more wildly. Um, the cost of goods from Europe into the UK could... Um, go up you know we just don't know how the exchange is going to go against the euro um so i think there's you know there's, it's still a state of flux isn't it really and you've just got to be aware of where you're trying to develop um any overseas um opportunities you know should they be in europe or should they be further afield outside of you know the brexit zone what do you think will be the next best thing in gluten-free bakery um i guess i touched on this earlier i think i think breakfast is is under underdeveloped um i mean there are breakfast there are very good breakfast cereals etc but i just i'm thinking more of the um the continental breakfast the the croissant the pan au chocolat um mm -hmm. that sort of area i just don't think the quality of the product on offer at the moment is particularly strong um there the, are the products out there don't get me wrong but they, they they just tick a box. Um, you know, would you go back and buy and repeat purchase some of those? I don't think so. <laughs> but you know, I, I think I think that needs some um, some TLC and some focus for sure. And then on a personal note, what keeps you busy when you're not f uh, focused on Warburton's gluten free? Um, family life. Um, got a big family. Um, got six children. All you know. All. Um, older now but the youngest is uh, just finished school recently he'll be going to university next year um and inevitably grandchildren are appearing so we've got our first grandson so oh, that keeps us very busy yeah, no thank you um so he's two years old soon so that's great and then um myself i uh, really enjoy playing golf so try and play golf whenever i can and time permits i'm really keen uh, on sports played a lot of rugby in the past so i'm very keen on rugby um and just generally keeping fit walking or what have you got a couple of dogs so um they keep us busy i mean you know life is busy and that's what it's all about but primarily at the core it's it's all about family and what is your favorite gluten-free baked good um our tiger bread i think is outstanding mm -hmm. um i had that toasted this morning um i i, I challenge anybody 
Um, and I'm not just saying that because it's ours, but I challenge anybody to tell me that's, that's gluten-free. Um, I am immensely proud of that product um, and what it delivers. Um, it's really good. And then, you know, if I was having a snack, probably something from Nairn's. I've, you know, got great respect for the quality of the products that they produce, the, the sweet and the savoury um, biscuits. Um, mm-hmm. They've got a really good chunky biscuit after the moment, so, you know, if you ever want something... I'd, I'd default to them, but uh, yeah, those are my uh, standout products at the moment.